So through the pandemic, I got a puppy, a shaggy, bitey, husky thing named Ruby. And like any responsible pet owner, we set her up with her own social media account. The feed is pretty much what you would expect, a goofy dog doing goofy things. My daughter seemed quite enthralled about all this. She had a lot of questions about social media I wasn't really prepared to answer. And then it dawned on me that I'm going to need to explain a lot very soon. It seems we're all struggling to navigate the online world these days. It can be a toxic place that defaults to anger, and misinformation can fly around the world before truth has time to put on its pants. If adults are having a hard time, how do we even begin to talk about it with our kids? So today, let's start this discussion of how we can support kids to enter the digital world with confidence. I'm your host, Darcy Noel. This is In Conversation with OCDSB. As parents, we want our children to be ready to head off into the world on their own. We want them to be responsible, to develop instincts, able to handle challenges. Whether we're talking about the world outside our front door or the digital sphere we enter through our phones, the concept is the same. We want to protect our kids, but also prepare them to be independent. When it comes to the world online, this is referred to as digital citizenship. It's about supporting kids to interact and engage online with confidence and care while avoiding trouble. To talk about all this, I have with me today Kristen Grant, a vice principal with the OCDSB's Business and Learning Technologies Department. In this role, she and her team are responsible for supporting staff and students in using technology properly in classrooms and at home. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks, Darcy. So to start, what does this idea of digital citizenship mean to you? Well, I think when we think of digital citizenship now as we're coming out of this pandemic, we're really just talking about who are we as citizens because we spend so much of our time online nowadays that we think about those norms of appropriate and responsible behavior and, what, and how are we engaging and interacting with one another. So in terms of digital citizenship, we really liked to focus on you know digital safety. It's so important. Um, media and information literacy. How are we taking this in? What sense are we making of the things that we're seeing online? And, and how are we interacting with others? Our digital well-being is a huge focus, especially for our students nowadays, with them having had to engage uh, with digital tools for most of their days to engage in their learning. So, so this is something that has come to the forefront as we return to in-person learning and, and how we're dealing with that. And social responsibility. What are our responsibilities as citizens um, when we're engaging online and when we're engaging in person? And are they different? And uh, I think uh, you've touched on it that we're there. Uh, we're online a lot of the day. And so how do we, how do we disconnect? And how do we intentionally uh, focus on uh, who we are online and offline? So how do we approach this topic at school? I'm so glad you asked this question because as we um, we're setting up accounts and we're getting our students, you know, access to all these digital tools, and it was in a need, it was a necessity as as we were going through the pandemic, and we had to really look at um, 
what access do we provide for our students and what parameters do we put in place to keep them safe? So we like to use the analogy of a driver's license, a graduated driver's license. Um, you get your G1, you get your G2, and then you get your full G license. So we think of the G1 as our kindergarten to grade three students. They have an account, they learn how to log in, they learn um, their passwords, and, and they have access to all the digital tools that they need to engage in their learning. But they're not communicating in and amongst themselves outside of uh, the classroom with their teacher and, and their direct classmates. So they have that adult right there to support them with any questions that they might have, any mistakes that they might make, that adult is there and able to um, live, learn, and move them through any of those uh, activities, just as like when you get your G1 and your parent or a responsible adult is sitting right beside you uh, in the car and trying not to panic and freak out when you know you make mistakes. Um, you move forward into grades four to six and a little bit of responsibility is added in there. So now they have access to their email and they can email back and forth with classmates, they can email across the district, they can email with their teachers and anybody that they need to um, within the OCDSB domain, um, again, with support from their educator teams on how to do that responsibly, what might go into crafting an email, what might go into crafting a, a really respectful and engaging communication. And that would be your G2. You're, you're kind of allowed to go out on your own in, in the vehicle and, and try a few things out, but within those limitations of, you know, daylight hours and, and things like that. And then, you know, your G license. This is uh, our grade 7 to 12 students that then get their uh, access to external and kind of global access to um, the communication with their accounts and being able to set things up so that it maximizes and optimizes their learning styles and their learning preferences with their OCDSB license. So for parents, it's, you know, when we're talking about digital tools and digital safety, this isn't the type of topic that we can talk to our own parents for advice and what they did when we were kids. It's all, it's all brand new. Uh, how should parents start this conversation with their kids and and when should they start talking about about these these issues well um, we now know from a recent uh, research study just put out this week from our partners at media smarts uh, it's called life online and I'm sure we can link it in here uh, at the end of the podcast but um, we've just learned that students at younger and younger ages are engaging with digital devices. And you just need to go to a trip to Best Buy and watch the toddlers wandering around and, and manipulating phones and tablets and things like that. So that conversation needs to start the minute you make the decision that your child has access to these devices. Um, questions like, you know, you, you've provided your child with this tool and then really um, in, educating yourself on what are those parental parameters that I can put in place. Like, what, what do I need to do to ensure that my child can explore, learn, grow with these tools and yet keep them safe online? Um, we do know uh, that also younger and younger, students as young as six to 10 years of age are being provided with smartphones because parents are concerned about safety. They wanna stay in touch. They want to know that their child um, is okay. And uh, with a lot of anxiety out there comes a lot of responsibility. And, and having those conversations with your child, you know, how do I know what is real and what is pretend online with our younger students, right up to, um, you know, how might that group be trying to influence 
the decisions that you're making when you're clicking on uh, that particular application, you know, as the students get older. Um, and social media use uh, has skyrocketed. We know that 86% uh, of students under the age of 13 are actually active on platforms where their privacy policies say that you need to be 13 plus. So it's really critical that parents are having those conversations with their children and keeping those lines of communication open if the children find themselves in a situation that is uncomfortable and if they find that they need support from their family, that their families are there for them. Sort of building on that, we all know people who have had their accounts hacked, they've clicked on a link they shouldn't, and kids are going to test limits, they'll be curious, they'll make mistakes. So how should parents respond? I think the first thing is don't panic. It's exactly what you said. We've all made that wrong click. Uh, and in fact, we talked about this earlier that um, many applications are designed to get you to click. The clickbait, it's like a click here, do this, do this, and you, and you, end, you find yourself down a rabbit hole. So just knowing that we've all done it is a great starting point with your, with your child. I've been there, I've done it, I've had my account hacked. It happened to me not too long ago um, with a Twitter account. And it was a colleague that brought it to my attention that said, I don't think this is you. And that brought up a whole conversation here at the district, uh, right at the whole senior level where I, I shared my story and said, okay, this is the importance of multi-factor authentication. So just tools like that and knowing that they're there and setting up those, um, I guess, little safety nets that if you do click on something wrong or you're trying to access something that might not be uh, the best, that you've got those uh, restrictions in place and then you can second guess and ask yourself, okay, is this where I really want to go? Um, and just allowing your, your child to know that, you know, they're going to encounter some situations that might be confusing and that uh, they know where to go to ask those questions. And that could be a parent, that could be their educator team here at the district. It could be you know, a trusted friend. You really need kids to come to you if they make a mistake on these types of things. Absolutely, yes, yes. And we know the importance of, uh, of safety online and, and having those uh, conversations with kids to say, it's okay to use me as your scapegoat. If, if you encounter something troubling online, it's okay to say, you know what, my mom or my dad or you know my family member checks my phone all the time, so I don't feel comfortable engaging in this with you or I'm sorry I'm not going to send you know, that picture or something that you've requested because, you know, that's not right. And, and my family checks my phone. Using the parents as a scapegoat is a, a perfect way, um, at least one strategy that, that we can use. So when we talk about the digital space, we also need to discuss how we can disconnect and find that healthy balance. So how do we help kids with this? I think a great place to start um, is to know that you know, the importance of disconnecting. Uh, because we find ourselves in a situation now where on average children are spending outside of school hours, outside of, you know, their engagement with digital tools for the purpose of education, they're spending one to two hours online per day, weekday, outside of school hours. And that skyrockets to three plus hours on weekends. So a great place to start is to you know maybe sit down as a family and say okay what are my favorite things to do with a device and without a device really focusing on those unplugged activities and intentionally setting time to say we're going to engage in 
a walk in nature. We're going to all put our phones down and go do something differently. Um, because I think we're at that point now where uh, just as years ago, there was an intentional engagement with technology to learn, research, do things. We're now on the other side where it is the intentional time to say, okay, I am not going to disengage. And in fact, our district has just implemented a disconnecting from work procedure. And I think here, you know, that's at the adult level, but it, it's really, um, it's really come to inform us as educators and adults that if it's important for us to make it a procedure to disconnect, it's that much more important to be modeling that for our students to say, I will be putting down my device and I won't be using it between these certain hours. And I think as parents, this idea about, you know, setting some parameters to disconnect or setting, say, you need to be off at a certain time, it it also helps kids and teens to be able to point to that and to be able to get off and say to their friends that I can't continue to be online. Right. And I think uh, one thing that was a little bit shocking to me uh, was in this uh, research study that I just mentioned, uh, Life Online, 86% of our students, and I'm using 86 and I might have the wrong number, but most of this um, students with personal devices have them in their bedrooms at night. And that's a real temptation to continue to engage um, because we also know that most of these students, they're looking online to connect with one another. Uh, and, and that's just a result of having had so many restrictions in place during the pandemic that they've um, fallen back on this way of connecting with their friends. And so uh, maybe, you know, saying, okay, we're going to keep all of these devices in a central location during sleeping hours. And that also helps, you know, as Dr. Chang, another great partner with our district, has said, you know, the blue light, the red light, all those things that affect our brain function and, and our mood and our digital and physical and mental well-being. So um, setting that time to really disconnect is really important. Now, we're almost out of time, and we've only scratched the surface of this conversation. Uh, is there anything further you'd like to add or you feel it's important to include? Yeah, I think when we, we talk about this uh, conversation around digital citizenship, it's really important for us as adults, parents, educators, um, influencers in our children's lives that we're really modeling that behavior of um, empowering our students to make really good choices. Um, they're going to make mistakes, just as we do. Um, engaging with the tools in respectful and responsible ways uh, and it, you know being um, responsible socially responsible citizens and that eventually we're enabling each other to enhance our relationships and moving forward but the most important place is empowering our students um, to use the tools in ways that uh, maintain their well-being and allow them to grow and connect on a global level. Perfect. Thank you very much, Kristen. Thanks, Darcy. That was Kristen Grant, uh, Vice Principal with the OCDSB. Okay, so this notion of being a digital citizen, as though it is a separate part of our character, is a bit of a misnomer. Our kids are now growing up, living their lives online and off interchangeably. How they present themselves and interact virtually is how they are perceived in the physical world. We all want to protect our children. 
And the digital world can be a scary place with some scary people. But the core values, judgment, and good behaviors we instill in our kids will pay dividends when they're finally ready to head out into the world, in whatever space that might be. We've included links to resources on our podcast webpage, ocdsb.ca slash inconversation. That's all for our show today. I'd like to thank Kristen Grant and our technical producer, Mike Gilbo. I'm your host, Darcy Knoll. Until next time, take care. No.